Incredible edibles start with Loran. Professional bakery emulsions, super strength flavors, and candy mixes from Loran make it easier than ever to create your own delicious edible experience. Bite Me listeners in the contiguous 48 receive 15% off their order at loranoils.com. Just enter Bite Me 15 at checkout. For listeners outside the 48, email customercare at loranoils.com for a list of distributors and retailers near you and tell them Marge sent you. In this week's episode of Bite Me, we're doing a seasonal plum tort. Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles, where I help you take control of your high life. I'm your host and certified ganger Marge, and I love helping cooks make safe and effective edibles at home. I'm so glad you're here, and thank you for joining me today. Before we get into the recipe, the cannabis quote of the week, if you substitute marijuana for tobacco and alcohol, you'll add eight to 24 years to your life. And that quote was provided to the world by Jack Hare. And you may be wondering, who's Jack Hare? Well, he is the author of a well-known book called The Emperor Wears No Clothes. He was an advocate for cannabis decriminalization and legalization. He was an American. He passed away, I believe, not that long ago in 2020. And there is a there is a strain named after him that's actually quite popular, a very uplifting strain. And he was he has an interesting story in that he was staunchly anti-cannabis for most of his life. I think most of his life. And then I can't remember what happened, but something happened and he totally changed his tune and became this really well-known cannabis advocate, so well-known that he has a strain named after him. Now, I'm sure I'm not doing the story justice. I did listen to a podcast episode on great moments in weed history, and they covered his story pretty extensively and did a great job on it. And I'll link to that in the show notes because it was a fantastic episode about the man, the myth, the legend who brought us the Jack Harris strain that has become so popular in many dispensaries. And of course, who pointed out the pretty obvious that tobacco and alcohol will just take years from your life. And cannabis can accomplish all the same relaxation effects, social effects, all those things without the health detriment. And it's interesting because recently I was hearing that in Canada, they were changing the guidelines for alcohol for men and women, alcohol consumption, as I'm sure you know that in many places they're going to have guidelines for how much alcohol you should be consuming. And where did I find that article? So they're saying that new proposed guidelines, and this article came out in September of this year of 2022, if you're listening to this episode as it comes out, the new proposed guidelines for alcohol consumption says that Canadians should stick to a maximum of two drinks per week in order to reduce their risk of negative health consequences. Two drinks per week. I don't know about you, but often when I have a drink, actually, I don't drink that much, so I can't really say that. There have been times in my life where I have drank quite a bit more than I do now, but currently I'm, for the last while, I I don't drink that much. But there may be times where I might be having, say, three drinks in a week or something to that effect. The current Health Canada guidelines say that men should limit their alcohol consumption to more, no more than three drinks per day 
and 15 drinks per week, while women should stick to a maximum of two drinks per day and 10 drinks per week. Now, of course, the real sticking point is what is considered one drink. As a wine drinker myself, they're uh, they're saying five ounces of wine with 12% alcohol. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to enjoy wine sometimes with my dinner. That's one of the reasons or one of the ways that I do consume alcohol is with dinner or preparing dinner. I like it in both of those contexts. And whenever you go to a restaurant, often your options are a six ounce or a nine ounce glass of wine, which means with one glass of wine, it feels like one glass of wine, but that's technically my two drinks a week, just about right there. And a lot of people are probably drinking a lot more in one sitting and they're saying, oh, I'm just having one drink, but that drink is a lot more than what the guidelines would say. I don't know how much these guidelines differ than the ones they would have in the States, but now they're changing these guidelines to be two drinks per week. It sounds like for everybody. And they're saying that even three to six drinks a week can increase the risk of developing certain cancers such as breast or colon cancer, while more than seven drinks per week can increase the risk of developing heart disease and stroke the risk of negative outcomes begins to increase with any consumption and more than two standard drinks. Most individuals will have an increased risk of injuries or other problems. The authors write in this report. Pretty interesting. And that was a report published by the Canadian Centre of Substance Use and Addiction. There you have it. Consume cannabis instead. And if you're consuming cannabis in edible form, well, guess what, people? You have even better news because that's probably an even healthier way to consume it because then you're not inhaling anything into your lungs, whether you're smoking joints or bongs or dry hair vaporizers, whatever the case might be. So edibles are a super safe way to go. So forget the tobacco, forget the alcohol, just stick to your edibles. You'll be okay. Now let's turn to this week's recipe, the plum tort. And I'm excited about this recipe because it was sent to me by a listener Terry from Minnesota, she was mentioning how she has a plum tree in her yard and has been making use of some of these plums by creating this tort. And I was so happy to get this recipe. I had to try it myself. And she did mention it would work well with peaches too. Now, I am not fortunate enough to have a plum tree in my yard, but at the time of this recording and when I got the recipe, it is definitely peach plum season in my area. And hopefully it is where you are as well. And I wonder actually, I think if all stone fruits would work well for this, she mentioned peaches, but I wonder if nectarines would work really nicely and even apples. Cause we're getting into real, you know, sweet, uh, apple season and a sweet apple might also work really nicely for this. And I just want to mention, you shouldn't be intimidated by the title. So a plum tort. When I first saw that, I was like, Oh boy, I've never made a tort before. I don't even really, I don't even think I could tell you what a tort is off the top of my head. Perhaps I should give a little, I should have given a Google search before I started this. Let's see what it says. A tort, a rich cake made with many eggs and little flour and usually containing chopped nuts. Or the second definition, a rich, dense cake, typically typically made with many eggs and relatively little flour as opposed to sponge cake or gateau. It says that... These cakes, usually covered with cream and fruit or nuts, originated in Austria. So I suppose if you wanted to add some chopped nuts to this as well, you could, but this particular recipe didn't include that. And some of the images for tort look delicious. And I really enjoyed this recipe because 
it uh, was actually a lot easier to make than I was expecting it to be. So I kind of looked at the ingredients and the recipe. And anytime I see some of these fancy baked goods with French sounding names, I'm like, oh man, what's going to be involved in this? But I tried it out and I was really surprised at how simple it was. Does this recipe use many eggs? No, it uses two or three. So don't worry, you don't have to go out and make sure you have a dozen eggs on hand. Some of those sponge cakes and some of the other cakes I've tried often use quite a few eggs. Uh, it does use just a little bit of flour. What is it? Well, a cup of sister flour. So, I mean, this is something you could probably make with all the stuff that you happen to have in your cupboard. You're going to need sugar. You're going to need your butter. You're going to use some of infused butter here, your vanilla extract, flour, baking powder, salt, eggs, and whatever fruit that you're going to use in this particular instance, whatever you can get your hands on the freshest or the fresher, the better. And and again, it's one of these simple cake-like recipes. It is very much like a cake-like recipe that you're going to make in, or you're going to have your wet and your dry ingredients. You mix them together, you pour them in a pan, and you top it with your chopped fruit. I mean, how much simpler does it get? It was a lot faster to put together. What did take the time was the actual baking time. So you bake it at 350 degrees, but it took about an hour. And so this is something, of course, if you're doing other things around the house, you're cooking dinner, whatever the case might be, you can pop it into the oven and set your timer and do what you have to do. But the actual hands-on time of preparing the torch itself was pretty fast. I'd say like, you know, 15, 20 minutes kind of thing. I can't remember how many peaches I used on the top of mine, but I just sliced them into pieces and put it on the top. And sometimes even as I was making this thing, I was having my doubts. I'm like, how is this going to turn out? Because it didn't say in the recipe if the butter needed to be softened or anything like that. And I think I used butter that had been not, that was not room temperature, that's for sure. And I kind of threw it into my stand mixer with the other wet ingredients. So I put in the, those three ingredients and the butter was not at room temperature. I was like, oh, is this going to actually like mix properly? But lo and behold, it seemed to all work out just fine. Even though there was a couple, seemed like there was some chunks of butter, but it seemed fine. You add your dry ingredients. She does suggest that you sift the flour so it will remove lumps and make the batter more smooth. Or if you don't care, then don't. And she had a little smiley face after that. So if that's a, if you're like, ah, I don't have the time or you just want to skip it, you're not too worried about it and you're just preparing this for yourself to get really baked, then you could skip it. Now, I did sift the flour just because I could, and I found a flour sifter in my cupboard that I forgot I have. And when I looked at it, I was like, ah, it's got like rust spots on the screen on the bottom. So I'm not sure if I should be using this. As you can tell, it's been quite some time since I've sifted anything. Although I guess I have. And what the method I just use is like one of those little uh, sieves that you can get that I would, you know, just a little handheld one that I put that will fit over the top of a, a a glass jar or a mug or something like that. I just scoop up some stuff and and shake it and it seems to sift through this sieve, fine mesh sieve into whatever receptacle it's holding and voila, that was pretty easy. And it doesn't really take that long to sift a cup of flour that way. And so you don't have to worry about having any fancy sifters if you do want to go ahead and sift the flour. She said two eggs, but she said she also liked to use three because she likes hers a bit moister. <laughs> And she said, yes, she said the word moister. <laughs> My sister used to have a huge aversion to the word moist. And I think this must have been when we were like late teens, early 20s. And I used to just say the word just a fucking bugger because it was so effective in that way. 
And I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure why I should ask her if she still has this aversion to that particular word, but yeah, the word moist probably bothers quite a few people, but it did. Uh, so because of course I'm getting this recipe from a listener and she likes to make it this way. I did it the same way. I used three eggs and it was, this cake does turn out moist. It's so good. She also mes- mes- mentioned, if I could speak properly, that she used uh, spices like clove, ginger, anise, uh, cinnamon, fresh basil, diced, or whatever spices you liked. And I have to admit that I totally forgot. I totally forgot to add any spices at all. And it was still delicious, but it would have been nice with maybe a little bit of the fresh basil sounds interesting, but the cinnamon or some, or clove, I mean, those are things that would pair really nicely with the stone fruit or the apples. And I think for mine, I used maybe three peaches sliced up. And of course you're going to, you know, work around the pit. So that's going to be tossed. The only other thing that I should mention is that you use a sp- you, it's calls for a spring form pan. And if you're not familiar with those they are used a lot in cheesecakes, for instance, and it's just one of those pans with a bottom. And then it has the rim that goes around it with these locks on it. So you can unlock it and easily lift off the sides of the pan and just have the plate underneath. Now, I think I've had one in the past. I don't know what happened to it. I haven't used a spring form pan in God knows how long. And I didn't have one handy. And when I brought it down to the, the recipe down to my kitchen, I was just like, well, there's got to be alternatives. I mean, sure not all of you have springform pans hanging around. And I wasn't about to go buy one just for this particular instance. So I looked it up online and they're like, yeah, just use whatever you have. You could use a cake pan. You could use silicone pans. I used a glass baking dish, like a nine by 12, 13, whatever baking dish. And I lined it with parchment paper. Now where you get the you won't be able to get like the nice look of the cake because if you have the spring form, spring form pan, then you can take the sides off and you get like, you know, the look of the, of the tort with the, the fruit on top. And it can look quite lovely as far as presentation goes. But if you're not too worried about a glass baking dish will work quite well. That's what I used and lined it with parchment paper. Like I said, turned out just fine. And because I was eating most of it myself, then I didn't really have to worry about presentation at all because I am quite happy with enjoying that without, you know, having to photograph it for Instagram, I guess. I am going to add some pictures to the website because she sent me pictures of how her tort turned out and it looked really nice. And I took a few pictures of mine. So I'll add them to the website on the on the episode webpage. So if you want to go check those out and see what it might look like and how it looks topped with the fruit. I've been enjoying mine with some pieces of brie cheese as well, because I'm also kind of obsessed with brie cheese and it's pretty delicious. So that was another way to enjoy this tort was just a little bit of cheese and the tort. I'm going to have to make this one again. I will be making this one again. And I'm sure you'll find that it is a great way to spend a few minutes in the kitchen and have a delectable result that will add you know, if you're going to a potluck or I don't know, there's a million different ways. Of course, if you are going to a potluck and it's infused, please make sure that you label it properly and you figure out sort of the reasonable range of potency um, so that guests who are enjoying it will have a semblance of what they're getting into. And don't forget, folks, any of the recipes that we cover on this show can always be made uninfused or you can find a way to infuse it afterwards as well. I mean, Ardent Cannabis, the makers of the Ardent uh the FX, which I do have, 
They talk a lot about the instant edible method, which is where you might just sprinkle a little bit of your cannabis, decarbed cannabis, right on top of your of the cake that you're eating. Now, if you're not really crazy about that idea, that totally makes sense. You could always infuse a sauce like, hey, maybe caramel sauce like we talked about in last week's episode. That might be one way to do it. Maybe you could do an infused whipped cream. You could probably also just inject it with a little bit of RSO. I mean, the cake is soft and RSO is just a little bit of oil. You just injected that way. So there's a whole bunch of different ways. Also those ripple powders, that might be another way as well. If you're wanting just to infuse dose per dose, um, those flavorless, odorless powders, you could sprinkle that on top too. Although I have to admit, sometimes I do find they have a bit of a flavor. It's pretty subtle, but it's there. It's not non-existent. So you might want to experiment with that on yourself before you try it with uh, someone who might be judging you on your baking skills. So in any case, I hope you enjoy this one and you give it a try with your favorite fruits. As always, let me know how you find it, how it turned out, what fruit you used, and if there's any recipes you'd like me to cover on this show. I love getting listener recipes because you are a creative bunch out there and there's so many wonderful home cooks who are making some fantastic edibles at home and I love it. Until next week, my friends, you know what to do. Stay high.